Amen. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. As uh, was read today, how in Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Lord, you have protected our church from many things, from many uh, difficulties, be it location or finances or uh, families coming, families going because they had to move. Lord, you've protected us from doctrinal heresy. You've protected us from folks teaching wrong doctrine that weren't even in Scripture. And God, we just thank you for that. We just praise you that. We don't want to take it for granted. This love and this peace that we have in Christ and with each other. We're just so grateful. I'm so grateful for these people that I can um, walk this pilgrim walk with them. Lord, that we would walk together, journey together as we pursue Christ and try to make disciples for his glory. And I pray that this morning would encourage us, would convict us if we needed to be. Lord, I pray that this message would save us if some of them uh, who are here are not saved. We pray, Father, that your word would go out clear. Would you clear my mind up? Help me to think Help me to speak clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I like, I like progress. So we are going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as, as you know, our, our text for today before, um, before I read it, well, actually, let me read it. Verses 12 through 19. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing... Where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? As we go through verses 12 to 19, it's good to review where we have come from. If you recall in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul is addressing this issue in the church where folks are using their spiritual gifts in an effort to gain notoriety and in an, in an effort to um, show themselves off, to display themselves. But what is happening is it's causing disunity rather than unity 
with their use of the gifts. Notice he says that the first thing that needs to be done is that there needs to be clear teaching on what spiritual gifts is. He says in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. The word, of course, unaware, is I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to have a clear understanding of what spiritual gifts are. Unlike what today is when we talk about whether or not there's spiritual gifts or whether or not... uh, Uh, certain gifts are still in existence, certain gifts are not. When we talk about these things, folks say, well, we can't talk about that. That's too controversial. And in Paul's mind, he says, no, the very first thing that you have to understand is that it's very, very clear. And so he, he starts to let us know, well, what does that mean? Verse 3, that true faith in Christ, when someone truly says Jesus is Lord, from their heart, That only comes from God himself. He says in verses 4 to 6 that in a given church you should expect that there will be a variety of spiritual gifts. Those are spiritual gifts. When I talk about spiritual gifts, if you haven't been with us, spiritual gifts are these divine abilities, these divine enablements that you receive when you first. These are these divine enablements that you didn't have before. I'm not talking about singing or playing guitar. I'm not talking about doing an ollie on a skateboard or anything like that. What I'm talking about is that there is this divine. What God does is when he places us in the church, he not only saves us, but he gives us these spiritual enablements that are meant to be developed, that are meant to be exercised, that are meant to be flexed, that help the body edify itself in Christ such that we need each other to edify each other such that the body itself causes the growth of itself and we'll see that later on the body causes the growth of itself he says here that these gifts these ministries and effects all may be different but they all come through the same triune God if you notice spirit in verses Four, Spirit, Lord, verse 5, and then the same God. Verse 7, he reminds them of the spiritual gift is not for your personal use. So this is what the baseline is in verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's not for your personal use. It's not for you to have and not use. It's not for you to have and be on the bleachers, so to speak. It's for you to get in the game. It's for you to get into the fight. It was given to you so that you can serve the local body. Then he gives a list of the spiritual gifts, verses 8 through 10, as we have seen. Some that are still present for today, some that are not. And then he reminds us that the Spirit of God sovereignly distributes the spiritual gifts as as he sees fit. But if the believers do not understand their unity in Christ and their diversity at the same time, okay? Here, mention that we are unified together, but we all also have this diversity and giftedness in the body. What starts to happen is various sinful weeds, such as pride and envy, can settle in. I, I, I'm, why am I not like that? Why am I not like that? Uh, you may think that this doesn't occur, but it does. Um, I had someone before say to me, you know, I, I, 
I've been jealous of you for many, many years. He, he had a ministry and it didn't flourish. And he saw me as bumbling as I am, as not put together as I am, and God started to bless the ministry that he had given and trusted to me. And what started to occur, this, this jealousy started to occur, it started to make him unfruitful. And brothers and sisters, as we come to see what God has done, how he has brought us together, your greatest capacity of being used by God is serving in the local church. And then as the church starts to see where your gifts lie, and as your giftedness starts to be uh, manifest, what happens is you start to specialize. But that... But if believers do not understand their unity in Christ and their diversity and giftedness in the body, various sinful weeds such as pride and envy can settle in. This is what was happening in Corinth and this is what can happen in any church. Christ has redeemed, has bought his people, has given them gifts, has given them his Holy Spirit. And Christ has created this bond of unity to live out and has given them their gifts to edify the body. So, my preaching point is that God's clear teaching this morning is given so you would protect, you, every individual member of RBC, would protect our unity by understanding and exercising the diversity of gifts within the body. You have to understand that God gives different gifts. A diversity of gifts within the body. And this is what I appreciated about my pastor Steve. We weren't ever supposed to be like him. He didn't want us to be like him. He wanted us to be like ourselves. The way that God has made us. And we had different diversity of gifts that we were, we were free to be who we were. He just made us stronger in that, in our own giftedness. And I was so grateful for that. Now, the body of Christ is not a social club. It's not an interest group. It's not a foodie group. It is a supernatural organism created and loved and cared for by Christ. And how does he care for you? In the display how, you know, when Jesus says, I love you, you have to think about it. Well, Jesus, how do you love me? Well, I give you my word. I give you the spirit. I give you the church. What's amazing is that the shepherding of Christ goes to his people through his people. Did you, get, did you catch that? When we are healthy, when we uh, have a, a common, a, a good diet of the word of God, and when we are off of the, our spiritual couches and working actually for his glory, what happens is the body of Christ becomes this powerful, powerful testimony for his glory. Now, before I move on, there are four truths to protect our unity and exercise our gifts in the body. The first two truths talk about our unity and the second two truths talk about our diversity. The first two truths. 
first two truths. Well, let me talk about the first one. Our unity is vitally tied to Christ. Okay? Our unity is vitally tied to Christ. Now, I say this word vitally for a very important reason. When I say vitally, it means, you could hear the word vital, vitality, when, when someone is uh, uh, taken by an ambulance, we say we take, take his vitals, take his signs of life, his data of life. When I say vit- vitally, it means it has its origin and life source from Christ himself. Okay. And so what the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is telling us is that what brings us together, we have to highlight this in our church. We have to remember this in our church. That we were brought forth by Christ. We were redeemed by his blood. We were specially placed in the church by the Holy Spirit. And you have to think about this. That the very life that is coursing through us is Christ himself. It's not, my, it's not you or my resolve. You understand? The only thing that keeps us alive together. That's the wonderful thing about the local church. It is Christ himself displaying his life source. Displaying his strength. And now he says, for even as the body is one, and yet has many members. And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. So here's this phrase. And in fact... You have all these prepositional phrases right before. The main clause is so also is Christ. So also is Christ. In this whole sentence, the heart truly is. So also is Christ. What is Christ? He says many members, but the body is one. There are many. Listen, listen. He says there are many of us. But we're one body. And then he says. So also is Christ. What does that mean? Well, clearly Christ cannot be separate from his church. Church can't be separate from its head. We know from Ephesians, um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, Christ is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. So also is Christ. This oneness with the body is Christ's vital connection to the believer or the body of believers. And we read this even in John chapter 15, verse 5. It's not just that I trust in Christ and then when God looks upon me, he looks upon the righteousness of Christ. That's called justification. Okay. It's not just that. It's this, the John 15 aspect. John 15, verse 5. Why don't we go there? Uh, I don't want to speak in abstracts. I want you to see it yourself. This is the richness. This is what I love about walking with Christ. It's not just that I am legally declared righteous. It's that I have a relationship with Christ. And this relationship gives me strength. And this relationship gives me power and this relationship gives me motivation to get back up this relationship gives me uh, uh, what I need 
to get back to the study table, to get back to praying. Notice he says here, in John chapter 15, verse 5, this is this vital union that we're talking about. That Christ is one with the body, and the body is one with Christ. He says in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. Here it is. He who abides, that means to dwell, that means to embrace, that means to remain. The word really means to remain. He who remains in me and I in him, notice what the Bible says. He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now notice that this connection, he says here, and he uses the metaphor of the vine. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. If you cut the vines, sometimes I was, I was being careless as I was cutting different vines and you could tell which ones I accidentally cut because they were dead. They weren't connected to the vine. They didn't have the nutrients. They didn't have the riches. They didn't have the, the life force going through them. And yet God, Christ himself says to the church that I am vitally connected to you. That's amazing to me. That's what keeps us strong. Do you understand? That's what keeps us focused. At the end of the day, it isn't your disciplined hand to hit your alarm clock and to get up, although it helps in the, in the sense of being with Christ. It isn't your discipline. It isn't your strength of the will. At the end of the day, what, beat, what causes the heart to beat of RBC is Christ's very own heart itself. He is the life. So also is Christ. So when you look at each other, you have to understand the very miracle of what has happened. Don't look at each other and say, oh, that's just Ty. No! That's just the music team. That's just the AV team. That's just Manny. No. This is a miraculous, life-giving work of what Christ is doing. Christ displays his beauty to the world through the, through the diverse church. A church is not a true church without Christ. There. There are many folks who say, well, I, I, you know, I, I love Christ, but not the church. There's no way you can do that. There's absolutely no way. Christ is so intertwined. He is one with Christ. Christ is one with the church. Church, Christ has his eye on you. His beloved bride. He looks upon you. You are his love, whom he has prepared for and will never forsake so also is Christ. Second truth about our unity. Well, second truth about our unity is that our unity 
is supernaturally baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. I tried to think of another way to say this, but I couldn't because there's no way to really uh, say baptized without the word baptized. Okay. You got to say baptized. It has its, it has its meaning with the, within that word. He gives us new life and he places us in the body. Notice in verse 13, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, he says, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. And here he talks about this spiritual reality of what happens <coughs> to all of to all Christians. He says, one spirit. Now notice, of course, this is the Holy Spirit. And he says, we were all baptized. Here he doesn't have in mind a water baptism, but this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The word baptized means to be immersed. And it was used in many ways, even in Judaism, as a form of initiation into religion. We know that Christ himself took that initiation and said that when you are baptized, you're saying you believe in me. You believe that I am the son of God. You believe I am the Messiah. You believe that if you trust in me, that you will be saved. And now he says... Uh, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice, I know that m many of your texts might say in verse 13, for by one spirit or for in one spirit. But really, the way the word is used, it's really in this instrum uh, instrumentative way. It's used in the sense of you are baptized by or you are baptized with. So what he's saying is that the baptizer is Jesus and the media by which you were baptized is the Holy Spirit. Christ baptizing, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You, re you recall in Matthew chapter 3 when John the Baptist was saying that there was going to be one who would come after me. At Jesus' own baptism, John the Baptist tells us that this Jesus Christ, he who is coming after me is what? Mightier than me, who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what's happened is that every time someone comes to Christ, see, this is why we have to see the supernaturality of what's happening. It's not that someone simply makes a decision. It's not a, we don't want to call, what we call this is a decisional kind of Christianity where it's just, oh, I'm just checking off this box, or I raised my hand when I was a little kid, or I walked up the altar, and I'm saved, and there's no change. Why? Because when God saves, he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit causes you to desire to be more holy. When you come to Christ, you know you have a new Lord. You know you have a new Savior. And you can't live the same old way that you used to live. 
Your friends can, your family can, but now you are confronted. You have said that he is your master, your savior. And now, if you have truly trusted in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who has brought you into the fold. That is, when he baptized you, he he has regenerated you, and he has placed you into the body. And now you know, I can't ever go back. I could have friends and I have acquaintances, but my best friends are those who love Christ. That's what happens in true salvation. We've been sold a lie that you could be saved and not change. We've been sold a lie in American evangelicalism. It goes down from Finney, who started to have all these creation, these all these methodological evangelism. He was the one who started having all this music, and everyone would be singing for days in and days out, for hours on, until someone came forward. It was manipulation. And then folks started to say they were saved and there's been no change. And then so whole theologies have been changed because of it. Well, it looks like there's this crop of people who raise their hand and they say they're saved, but there's no change. Maybe we'll call them carnal Christians where they never follow Christ. They never want to read the Bible. They never want to go to church, but they're saved. And the Bible says that's not true. They've never been changed. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in, he cleans house. Is it true that Jesus loves me the way I am? Yes. But he loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. And so, this Holy Spirit He gives us new life and he places us in the body. Every single believer, every single believer has been indwelt and baptized by the Holy Spirit. Is that amazing? That's your encounter with God. This is, please understand, when we say Christianity, We do mean a set of truths. This is true. But it is also, it's not just these objective truths, but it's the subjective truth that you receive them and you receive the Holy Spirit. And it is, in one sense, objective truth that is outside of us in another sense. Yes, there is this experimental, the pilgrims and the Puritans used to say, this experimental part of Christianity, we would say experiential part. That the Holy Spirit would indwell in us. And now we know we're Christians. Notice he says, uh, For by one spirit we are all baptized into the body, whether Jews or Greeks. It doesn't matter what background. It doesn't matter if you notice the animosity between Jews and Greeks. The Jews used to think the Greeks were pagans. The Greeks used to think the Jews were stuck up. Stuck up religious Pharisees. Back and forth. The animosity was so deep. We've talked about this at length. And yet, because of Acts and because of the rest of the scriptures, we know that if you come from any background and you truly trust in Christ, you have been brought forth by the Holy Spirit. 
This is why we can't manipulate people into the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand? This is why we can't monkey wrench anything. We can't force people. We could only preach, share the gospel, pray, show them scripture. But Christ has to do the work. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit from on high. And when he does his work, oh man, it's undeniable. Now, it doesn't matter what economic status you are or what standing. Notice it says slaves or free. There is no such thing as a true believer in Christ who has not been baptized by Christ with the Holy Spirit. And likened to this as a side note, there is no subsequent or second blessing of the, of the Spirit. <laughs> there are some groups who would say, no, only some people are, have the Holy Spirit and other people don't have the Holy Spirit. You gotta wait. But there's, there's no such thing. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. All are baptized in the Spirit. All are given a gift. All are given a new union with Christ. This second blessing creates this spiritual elite, this animosity between some spiritual elite and from and with the uh, and those who may not have it. I remember, uh, I remember um, one relative of mine. Um, that he was going to a church where they practice uh, what they thought was the f- speaking of tongues. Um, which I don't think that's what Scripture teaches at all. Uh, scripture teaches in Acts chapter 2 that the speaking of tongues is speaking a known human language which they haven't studied before and it was given as an, uh, as an uh, authentic, uh, uh, as a legitimizing gift for the word of God as the gospel was preached. It was a sign to the uh, Jews to say, hey, the gospel is now going out to different languages, to different people groups, because you have wholeheartedly, most of the Jews have rejected who Christ was. Having said that, these folks thought uh, that uh, that the gift of tongues were quite another gift where they would say gibberish. And as he was sitting in a prayer group, they were sitting in a a circle. They were saying, oh, you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet because you can't speak in tongues. And he felt like a lesser Christian. And folks started speaking in that gibberish louder and louder and louder. So everyone can hear how loud they can speak in that gibberish. And they sat in their pride as people said, wow, that person is just has the Holy Spirit. While the other people, while my relative said, I don't, I felt like that, you know, a lesser Christian. When the proper use of gifts, notice that Paul said was for unity. You follow? The improper use of gifts creates disunity. God knows what we need when we 
in his administration of the church, huh? Now, there are many verses you could write. He says in uh, Galatians three twenty six to 27, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you have been baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body, one spirit. We sing this. Just as you've been called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He gives us all, also, all the resources to live at our salvation. Notice in verse 13, see, he says, For by one spirit we were all baptized, and not also, all, only that, but he says we were made to drink. We were made to drink of one spirit. This speaks of the resources that we have in Christ. This speaks of the riches, the strength, the fullness of living a life that follows after Christ. It is actually the abundant life that we get to experience when we obey, when we yield to him. Third, two truths about diversity. Number three, our diversity is mutually Dependent on each member. As we've been talking about. Notice in verses 14 through 17. For the body is not one member. But many. That's true. The unity of the body. The unity of the human body. Is one of the most incredible things. Incredible creations. Uh, I love how you could. How you could watch in the Olympics. Uh, when someone's sprinting or when someone's at the top of their game, these elite athletes, I like to watch judo and I like to watch freestyle wrestling, right? How they make these changes in calculations and with one throw, they're all unified in it. And then we all go, oh, in any sport, you see how the body can act in unison. But how ridiculous it would be if all the body parts were the same. And that's what Paul is talking about. If, there were, if this athlete were all left feet, it could not do what it was called to do. Now notice he says in verse um, 15, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body... It's not for this reason any the less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It's not for this reason any the less part of the body. Notice the foot is saying this. Now, the foot is saying, I am lower. I'm not like that person. See, here, this is what it sounds like. Oh, woe is me. I'm just not as important. I'm not as prominent. I'm, I'm covered up or I'm the one who's always touching the dirty stuff. I'm not as important. And the ear says, and you hear your notice, it's always just like when you have, look at homes, it's always with spiritual gifts it can be this way if you don't give it to Christ. It's always Oh, that person's spiritual gift is better. 
I wish I could do that. I think that's easier or that's funner. Or that gets more recognition. All of that, let me tell you, I'm not as important as so-and-so or so-and-so is more important than me or I'm more important than so-and-so. Whatever it is, whether you think you're higher or lower, the, what, what Christ is saying is that we are all in need of each other in order to rightly operate. You were given a specific gift and a specific task. I can't change that. You can't change that. You don't have a right to shirk your God-given responsibilities because you're not happy with your giftedness. This is what the Bible's saying, right? I'm not as smart as someone's. You know, you know, sometimes I struggle with that, you know. I have some pastor friends who are brilliant. Man, I wish I was as smart as, as them. You probably wish I was as smart as them. Right? Yeah, it's my daughter says, yep, yep. But this is who I am. Now I can sharpen whatever I have and sharpen my gift as best as I possibly can. But I know that this is going to be, this is who I am. This is my giftedness and every time I try to go outside of my giftedness Ty will hit me in the hand and say get out of there you're going to mess everything up you are not gifted in this and I go okay you're right I am not right no Ty doesn't hit me in the hand but he tells me uh, uh, yeah it's okay and then he, when I leave he fixes it right Because we've become very good at what we do in our different, diverse giftedness. Is that amazing? And what, what's, what is amazing to me is when I start to see growth in Christ, that you guys get mightier and mightier in where you're at. You get even better at discipling. You get even better at your... Uh, gift of helps, your gift of administration. You get even better at your teaching. You get even better at shepherding. You get even better at encouraging. You get even better, better and better and better. But notice he's, he says in 17, if the whole body were an eye, that'd be kind of like Monsters, Inc. You know, that big, just this big eyeball, it would be grotesque. I don't know how Paul knew that. Where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? We need each other. Amen? We're a team. And so if you know we're a team and that we've been gifted in different ways, you should expect that we, we look different. We're not going to be cookie cutters. Nor are we going to be cookie cutter families. Nor are we going to have cookie cutter origins. We're going to come from different places. We're going to come from different backgrounds. Some of you are going to come from wonderful Christian backgrounds. Others are going to come from messed up families. That's what God does. Some are you going to, you're going to be from one race. Some are going to be from another race. That's what God does. And it's beautiful. Some of you are going to come from a rich uh, 
uh, economic standing. Some of you are going to come from very poor. Some from middle class. That's what God does. He saves us. We trust in Christ. We all are baptized by the Spirit, but we're given different gifts. And when we exercise it, it's beautiful. And you know who it's beautiful to? It's beautiful to the church and it's beautiful to the world. Why do you guys love each other like that? Why do you guys serve each other like that? And we get to say it's because of Christ. I remember um, before we planted the church, um, uh, our sending pastor, Phil Foley, he would say, well, here are some very key positions that we need because if you don't have it, you don't really have a church. And, it, and then he said, do you have someone to lead worship? And, and I had all these list of eight. And they said, oh, it's going to take you two years to fill. Do you guys remember this? Some of you who started with us? I asked, who's going to lead worship? Andre goes, oh, I'll do that. I said, what? Yeah, I've been doing that for years. That's right. I forgot. Uh, who's going to do the nursery? Marla goes, I'll do that. I've been doing that for years. Okay. Boom, 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 down the list. And I said, okay, this is going to be a hard one. We need an accountant. Who's going to be our treasurer? Right? And lo and behold, it was Nelson. Right? He was in my trig class in high school. He got saved before me. He knew me when I was an unbeliever. And he still loves me today. Right? And he got, he just says, I, I'm an accountant, Angelo. Wow. You're going to help us manage the church and, and, and handle the funds with integrity. Praise the Lord. And I showed, I showed them and I go, look, they said, how? I it was God. It was His Spirit putting His people in place. Now, our diversity is sovereignly ordained by God. Now, notice he says in verses 18 to 19, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Every Christian, he's, he's saying this. God has placed the members, each one in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? And he is implying this, that every Christian, because he has placed them, must be serving. If you're a true believer and you're not serving, you are disobedient. This is what the Bible says. Because of God's gifting, because of the Holy Spirit indwelling you and empowering you, and because of Christ being with you. And he, all of those blessings, and you don't desire to serve the body, there's something wrong. One commentator said it this way, it is terribly tragic when believers are discontent with their spiritual gifts, their circumstances, or anything the Lord has given them. In God's body, which is also his family, there's no place for discontent. Envy, selfishness, or conceit. 
No Christian would be better off or happier with a showier or more prominent gift. We cannot be happy except with what God has given us. Because he gives each and every one of his children the very best possible. What he has given another believer would not be his best for us. I like that. Now, as part of application for you, if you're, if you're wondering, to serve at RBC, if you are 18 and up, uh, we're, we're going to end here. But if you are 18 and over, you have to be a member. And what is membership? All membership is. It's simply a public commitment that says, this is my church. These are my elders. These are my folks who I will walk this Christian life with as given as scripture. You get to find out about us. We get to find out about what you believe. And we figure out, do we believe the same things? Because the Bible says that to be a member... The Bible says that to be a member, you have to hold the same confession. That's what Hebrew says all over, okay? The confession meaning, these are the things that we believe. Are we good? Good. Are we good? Good. Are we good? Good. Okay. To be a member, you have to be baptized by water immersion. You have to hold to key points of our doctrine and philosophy of ministry. And you have to be a believer in Christ. Now, many churches, they don't even care throw whoever if you could play four chords they throw you in the band and some of them are not even saved I have to tell you that's how they run and that's how they recruit people oh you want to serve you want to go feed homeless people that's fine they bring them in and they don't even share the gospel why because they don't even believe it and to us we would say no the Bible says we have to hold the same confession. The Bible says that we have to be committed to one another. That we have to be committed to meeting one another. That's what Hebrews 10 says. And that's what being a member is. So that's why and that's the how of how we serve one another for the glory of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you how it, for its clarity that we have unity in Christ, unity in the Spirit, and a diversity in gifts. Help each of us to take stock and to see how we could be used greatest for your glory. From the young to the old, you desire the same devotedness, whatever gift we have, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.